Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week's guest has actually been knighted, like for real, like really knighted, is a 40 under 40 winner, a writer for the Huffington Post, a seven-figure business owner, and a thought leader. She calls herself a human sparkler. I describe her as a life transformation coach. Amanda O'Reilly was the first person I spoke to about my decision to leave CTV Morning Live because I knew she was going to be able to ask me the right questions and guide me properly towards taking that terrifying leap of faith. She's also a friend and one of my experts on the Awaken a Better You wellness cruise. Now, if asked what you get with Amanda, here would be a recap. These days, she blends NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, subconscious programming, intuitive development, quantum physics, neuroscience, and a lot of truth to guide people through an intimate transformational experience that allows them to play bigger, love harder, and experience more of why they came here to be. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, please do check out extensionmarketing.com. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you in this setting. And it's funny because as we were both sitting down, I pretty much said, could you have imagined like 20 years ago to fast forward 20 years and we would be sitting in this setting talking about what we're going to be talking about? Not at all. Like talk about a totally unconscious asleep at the wheel soul. Right. Like I kind of laugh with people and say, you know, if I look back, it's sort of a trail of mental illness in my dating life anyways. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but you know, you've got to start somewhere. So no, absolutely not. But no. And you know, to see, I've had to kind of look at you in different stages and different programming because I knew you as just a, someone who was a friend of a friend. Yeah. And then, you know, I saw this business that evolved that you were able to create, which we're going to get to balance and style, which is like a personal concierge business, which is really about helping other people do what it is that they need to get done. Absolutely. And then to be able to see you transform on the show on even our parenting panels and our expert panels that we had on CTV morning live to really looking at you from a different perspective, seeing that you were going through some transformation that I wasn't quite ready to see or fully understand and then to see the types of people that lives that you're changing now. So I I find it remarkable. And I think when you talk about life transformation, the fact that you went through such a massive one to be able to help other people do so is remarkable. Well, I I think that we're always our our first client, right? So um, for me, you know, I was sort of like evicted from life as I knew it. Um, a couple of years ago. And that's really when I sort of started the transformation, right? The more I went kind of into my internal world, the more my external world imploded, like just exploded. And and I really kind of had to play detective and sort of say, what is going on here? Because I'm the common denominator in everything that just wasn't working. And, um, you know, most people cannot accept or face the reality that they're the common denominator 
with things that might fall apart around them. Well, hundred percent. It's easier. 97% of us, that's a big number, um, are victims and we are victims in our own life that life is happening to us, not life is happening for us. And I think that was the game changer, you know, and that was something that Tony Robbins taught me was, you know, this is always happening for your greater good. So what is the gift in this? And I'll tell you, like I had to sift through some stuff there to really find the golden nugget, but you know, seek and you shall find. So your mind will always um, find what's available. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for, you know, the difficult or are you looking for, you know, the gift? So seek and you shall find. You'll always find it, right? Right. And you have found a very different path over the last couple of years. But I actually thought, looking at you, you were on a great path for a long time. I mean, you built this business, Balance and Style, which the concept was personal concierge, is doing for others which is pretty much how you were living your life anyway. But what was the creation? Because you've built that business. It, it, it became a, a pretty hot commodity. Yeah. And I mean, I, still to this day, you know, uh, I, I'm getting to the point now where I've, I feel like I'm, I'm growing out of the business, um, which is great because it's always next level. But um, yeah, I mean, I was addicted to the do of life. You know, um, I did not know how to be because I had some pretty serious trauma in my life growing up, going into adulthood, I was a rape victim. And I was conditioned that you don't talk about the hard things. That's shameful, it's bad. And we don't talk about it, we just, we don't speak our truth. And so that then became the way I lived my life. And, you know, I attracted people that had sort of similar um, thoughts in terms of handling difficult emotions. And it was just like, there was shame and there was, uh, we just don't talk about it. And so I started stuffing stuff down, stuffing stuff down, stuffing stuff down. And I became addicted to the do of life because that's how I found my worth. So if I could do for others, then I would be worthy. Then I would be enough. Then I wouldn't feel broken because as a, you know, a rape victim, your identity is just shattered. You take on this identity that I am fractured. I am imperfect. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy of love. I will never be enough. And nobody really stood up for me and said, hey, that's not true. So that, you know, that became my dominant thought. And that's what I bought into. And that's what I believed. And the universe is going to, you know, it has no bias and it's going to deliver like Amazon Prime to your door, your thoughts, your dominant thoughts. And my dominant thoughts were I was not enough and et cetera, et cetera. And I always have to do. So I created balance. You style. found your worth in doing for others that, that pleased, that, that pleased you, please, that, that yeah, pleased please. others. It's because if I can do for others, then I'm going to get, you know, the significance. Then I'm going to get the, you know, the, the love or the, the tension or whatever it is that I, Un- unconsciously didn't right. know that I had created this whole business <laughs> to sort of seek this validation and this acceptance that I had been sort of craving and yearning for my whole life. Um, it just so happened that the business was a great business and there was a need for it because there were others on the other side who needed well, things done. Well, absolutely. I mean, the concept is amazing. It's like we can super cape in. Who doesn't want a best friend to super cape in your life and basically just you know, suck all the stress out, right? Because I think predominantly as women, we are, we are conditioned that if we don't have, if we can't do it all, then there's something wrong with us. So we're broken, right? So if I don't have 10 plates in the air and I'm not super mom, super wife, super this, super business, then I'm failing at life. And that's conditioned, 
you know, into us from society. Uh, and is it true? No, but we're just caught up in that rat race or, you know, the dominant that I need to hustle for my worth. And really what I've come to find, you know, in, in my own transformation is at the root of it all, why we can't ask for help is our worth. Our worth is attached to, to being, um, to doing. So when I had to sort of surrender, when I was evicted literally from life as I knew it, I had to surrender and learn how to be. Because all my titles and all my roles were taken away from me. I didn't know who I was at the end of the day. I was a business owner. Yes, I was going to be, you know, somebody's wife. I was somebody's mother. But when I was sort of, those roles were taken away, it was like, oh my God, who am I? And so I could relate in building the business, um, you know, as a corporate single mom, I could relate to the hustle. I could relate to, you know, having to-do lists that never got accomplished and, and, and sort of always. And, and what did it feel like when you were helping others finish up that to-do list or run the errands they didn't want to do or make the calls or hire the people that they didn't want to do? Well, you felt amazing, right? Because you knew that at the end of the day, you were making a difference in somebody's lives and you became invaluable, right? It's, it's that they needed you. So it was like, oh, I felt, you know, I felt needed. And so we're going to go, we're going to get into mm-hmm. this, this sort of the six human needs. But for me, I was hitting, you know, I was hitting all six needs. So it became almost an addiction that I really wanted to be of service to other people. And that's something that, you know, from a very young age, um, I've had this innate desire to help women. You know, I was 14 years old in Mexico when I think I got my first taste of my dad will laugh and look back and goes, you know, you knew, you knew you wanted to be a concierge back when you were 14. And this woman was on her honeymoon and her husband went out paragliding and he, the wind changed and he hit the side of the building, the hotel, and he died on contact. And there was this young woman that, you know, was in Mexico. She didn't speak, she didn't speak the language and she was shattered and I was 14 and I literally just went and held space for her. I called her, you know, his family and I went to the room and I packed up the luggage and I stayed with her for 36 this is, hours. This is a stranger? A stranger. I didn't know her. No. And we had been going to this resort for years. And so I knew everybody at the resort. So I was just like, I got you, you know, and I was able to hold space. And my parents let me because they said they saw something in me that's just so unique that I could go up to a perfect stranger and hold space. And just be there and just be like, I can do the hard things that you can't do, right? And so that turned into a lifestyle and and I created this whole business. So it's always been there. Mm -hmm. It's just, it wasn't there from a really healthy place where I was doing it um, because I wasn't seeking something, right? Right. And I didn't know that at the time. At the time, right. But we, most of us don't connect things until we're looking. Is it Absolutely. Steve Jobs, I, right? You connect yeah, the, the dots. It's 2020, right? <laughs> once, once, once you can look back, you can connect all the dots. I just want to, this woman, because I'm, I'm thinking about it, right? You're 14. Yeah. She's, 30, she's, you know, a young woman on her, on her honeymoon. Did, did you ever wonder or what happened to her? Like, did you, you know, you know that's, funny, that's a back, really I, I did. impactful. I do, you know, and, and it was only like, recently in the last couple of years where I was starting to write my book and it was like, really, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my parents, my parents were like, you've always been that kid. You know, I, I played water polo, you know, in growing up and in high school and in, in university, imagine me water polo, but I did. And I was really good at it. And so back in Mexico we were, and Mexicans te- typically, um, in, in Cancun anyway, they don't, they, all the family comes to the beach on Sunday and, mm-hmm. 
they typically don't know how to swim. Imagine that. And there was this guy that was out there and he was easily three times my weight and he was drowning and he was, you know, are you to me? And he was, you know, and right away without a thought, I went right out and I grabbed him and I was just trying to pull him. I, you know, pull him to shore. And my dad, I could see my dad's face was just like, what are you doing? You know, you could have easily drowned. But for me, it was just that somebody needs me. I'm going to super cave in and it's just who I am. It's wired in me. Um, so You've done a great job doing it, whether you're saving people's lives or, or helping the government kind of rebuild or deal with a, a shattered life at that moment. Yeah. Balance and style built itself. I mean, you have a st- there's a staff of what, like 11 people right now running around the city doing yeah. things for others. And it's interesting how you say that there's you're in the process because there's been growth for you. And I think once you've accepted the need for why that was the business you had, you're seeing it's expanded so much more for you. It has. And, you know, and I I actually went through a little bit of a period of time where I ended up resenting, you know, the business that I created and it was created of a personal need too. I mean, my friend at the time, um, she gave birth to her second baby and, uh, discovered that she had, uh, breast cancer stage four. And we lost her, you know, within a a year period of time. And I was looking for solutions, you know, on the internet. Google certainly wasn't was what it is Mm -hmm. now. And there wasn't a company that, you know, bring jammies and to the hospital to do the due diligence. There wasn't a company. So Balance and Style was born through tragedy, you know. So again, I I have this superpower of turning pain into purpose. Um, So looking back, it's like, wow, okay, that's my superpower. I've done it my whole life. Um, But I... As I started to go through my own inner journey, I ended up starting to resent what I created because I was healing my own self-worth and I didn't need that, you know, validation and I wasn't seeking because our worth is something we're born with. It's not something we have to hustle for. So it became this like internal struggle of what, you know, and so that sort of led me down the, you know, the the rabbit hole and, and the personal journey that, that. That I've, uh, that, that I've been that on. That that you've been on. And then I'm currently but, still on, right? Right. Well, and I think you will always be on. Now that I really know you in, in this capacity, it, it's never ending, the growth and the learning. I hope you don't mind because you were doing really well, raising a child, dating, um, you know, what people would have thought, like, this is like the perfect picture, perfect yeah. relationship. Uh, there was an excitement to this relationship. And... Because I think this is where your story really takes the turn. Takes yeah. the turn is that you are you're running a seven figure business, you're raising a child, you're building a house. Like it's just like la di da fairy tale land, right? Yeah, I mean, on the outside, I checked all the boxes. You know, BMW check, house check. You know, diamond ring check. You know, it was just like kid check. I, I checked all the boxes, but it, truth be told, you know, it was a lie. I was secretly dying on the inside Um, because you look at somebody who, um, you know, was living their life. He was doing what he loved and it didn't, it didn't matter. It was just like, okay, I'm going to go do me. And, you know, that was admirable. And I think that we attract the qualities, you know, in relationships of things that we're like, wow, I wish I could be like that too. And there's this sort of admiration, right? Um, and, and what you love about them in the beginning, you end up resenting in the end if you don't reconcile it within yourself, right? Because it's like, well, you loved it. You loved me for that in the beginning. And now you're like chastising me for it. And not that that's what this was, but it was, um, I really realized that he was alive and, and, and he was living life 
for him on his terms. And I wasn't. I was a prisoner to the past. And I was so out of control inside that I really tried to control everything outside. You know, I had my lists and it was like everything. Like dinner's at this time. And this, it was like, I was so addicted to certainty because I just, I didn't want life to change at all, right? So it was like, well, if I do this and if I'm this person, if I'm that for this, then everything is going to be good. And uh, it didn't turn out that way, you know? So as a result, um, the relationship ended and, um, and it wasn't because of that, but there no. were many factors that there, that there we, we just was not in alignment anymore for either one of us. And, um, uh, we had some pretty serious trauma that we went through together and, um, sometimes you just don't recover. And again, you know, looking back with the lens that I can look back, you can certainly understand, um, why he showed up to the relationship the way he did. It was his view, his model of the world, his sort of subconscious programming. And I showed up with my lens and my filter and the way I felt things should have been done. And, you know, when you're in your own mind and you have your own limiting beliefs, sometimes they just don't match up. So in this case, um, you know, I was no longer going to be somebody's wife. And in the same week, my son was like, double bird, I'm out of here. You know, you, I took his phone away because he was, you know, seven assignments behind, which I think a parent does. Consciously now, I certainly would have handled it a little bit differently, right? But I didn't, you, you do the best you know. Um, you, you do the best with what you know. So, um, yeah. So I was, I was literally evicted from life as I knew it. So I was no longer you know, going to be somebody's wife for the time being, I was no longer somebody's mother. You know, my business felt especially ridiculous because I, you know, was in the business of making everybody's life perfect. And mine was, you know, totally the opposite of that. Um, so I had a choice. It was like, I'm either going to be mad at the world and I'm going to be a victim. Uh, I'm going to do what society has conditioned us to do, which is easy button out and numb through, you know, pain, go on, move on quickly to another relationship, or I'm going to marinate at rock bottom. You marinated at rock bottom. Like I have never heard or seen anyone. Yeah. Like I, I like the word marinate because to marinate something, it's got to sit there for a while in this sticky, yeah, and gross it was, environment. And it was painful because it was, everything was up for review. You know, all your fears, all your insecurities, um, you know, everything that, you know, the relationship ending, you make it about how unsomething you are and, you know. Or, you, or the blame. Well, yeah, oh. or how replaceable you are. And and it was all a lie. And, and you get in through, the, you know, all the stages of anger and grief and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's hard to look at yourself, right? Um, but I think that that's, the beauty of life is that you have to be able to take ownership and you have to be able to be responsible for your actions and clean up your side of the street. Right. And, um, and that's what I did. So I did not easy button out, you know, I had many opportunities to say, okay, the, like, no, I said, ah, I am the common denominator here. As much as I don't like that, how am I showing up? And am I proud of that? What was the first step then? So you've marinated for quite some time. What's the first step then? Like, how did you slowly come out of the marinade to, I would say, cook the perfect steak at this point? Yeah. Uh, I got a coach. 
And I got really, really uncomfortable. And I think what we realized was I was treating the symptoms at the leaf level. I was not treating the symptoms at a root level. And the root level was my story. And my story was, um, I am a rape victim and I'm broken and I'm imperfect and I'm unworthy and I'm not enough. And I have to contort myself into a pretzel and I have to be something for somebody else. I have to be who, you know, my ex wanted me to be, or my clients want me to be, or who my son wanted me to be, my parents. So I was living life for who everybody else needed me to be. And I didn't even know who I wanted to be in my own story. So that was the start of it and really getting there and saying, is that even true? And I was a good liar. Like I lied about everything. I like I, and all the lies I told myself, the lies I told about other people, the lies I told about my son. It was like, ah, oh, you don't respect me. You, you know, you, you're this like, really what kid at 15 is going to respect their parent, you know? So it was what I made it mean. And it was the meaning that we give it because here's the thing, like an emotion is neutral. Right? So you're going to give it a positive or a negative charge. And our minds and our brains are wired to keep us safe, not to keep us happy. And so that was never more clear to me that I had set myself up to keep myself safe, but not happy. So I was living for everybody else. So the step was who in the hell do I want to be in my own story? Never mind who anybody else and my parents and everything. You know, and that's where I felt like, wow, I have projected this image of perfection to the world and it's a lie. And I had been stuffing down so much for so long that it was like, nah, this little voice was like, you know what? You went through all that for a reason and you survived it for a reason. So you can teach younger versions of yourself how to climb out. And you have been doing that for quite some time now. If anyone follows you on Instagram, I mean, listen, any day you can go and and sit there and read through all of the posts and are going to find some message that's going to pertain or that you will feel hits you. And with that, I want to kind of go into what you're doing now so that people listening can kind of see themselves in certain aspects of the story. And one of the things that I find fascinating, and we've had this dialogue, is the six human needs. And so can you break those down for us and then how you have this dialogue with your clients now? This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Well, so we think we are unique and we think that we are the only ones with the same fears, problems. Like if you have a business, you could be like, I'll say, what's your biggest stress? What's your biggest stress? that you might not succeed or that you might fail. But is that fear unique? No. So we all have similar fears, right? And we think we're unique, but we all, it doesn't matter who you are, age, race, religion, background, upbringing, we all have the same six human needs. 
And it depends on what order those six human needs are in will determine the quality of your life. So I can use myself for an example. I'll give you the okay, six human needs. Okay, what are the six yeah, human needs? The six human needs. So the first one is the need for certainty. So we all have the need to know that um, we're going to be okay, right? That this floor is going to stay up. It's going to hold us up. We have that human need. And then, you know, God in our infinite wisdom <laughs> gave us the need for uncertainty. So the need for variety. Surprise. Then we have the need for significant. So the need to be important, the need to be uh, unique, special. Who doesn't have that need? Everybody has that need, right? Then we have the need for love and connection because we are wired for love and connection. The problem is, is that love is scary and we wire in our nervous system that love equals pain. So most people are afraid to love so they'll settle for connection. Right. Then we have the need for uh, growth and then we have a need for contribution. And so the top two are our spiritual needs, really. It's like in the, the laws of life, if you're not growing, you're what? You're dying. If your business isn't growing, it's dying. If your relationship isn't growing, it's dying. There is no neutrality there, right? You're either growing or you're dying. Well, there is. It's the laws of life, right? And then the need to contribute, it's the need to give back and, you know, be greater than you are or make a, a difference in the world on some level, right? Because if you don't have a, a why or a purpose, life gets pretty, you know, mundane and pretty boring and motivation in the raw, raw, you know, kind of dies off. So if you don't have a, a greater why that you want to do, I always say to my clients, what's your why? Because your motivation is not going to get you out of bed when, you know, you're not seeing the numbers in your bank account. So if you have a greater reason, a greater purpose, that's going to pull you forward. Okay. So let's, so go through them one more. So just list them six, the six. Certainty, uncertainty, significance, Love and connection, growth and contribution. Okay. So it depends on what order your six human needs are. So for me, Amanda 1.0, <laughs> um, my need was certainty was number one. So I had to be sure that everything was going to stay the same, that I knew exactly what to expect Kind of hard in the relationship that I was in, where his top human need was, you know, variety. <laughs> um, and my second was significance. I had built a whole business to feel significant, to feel important, to feel wanted, right? So I remember being in an intervention with Tony, and Tony's like, how are those working for you? And I was like, really well, you know? Like, I was really proud of that. I built this business. And he said, yeah, but... The only uns like the only constant in life is change. So when being certain and you absolutely need certainty, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure right out of the gate. I was like, what? So um, I just want to mention this for people when you talk about Tony. It was funny because I was, you know, we were talking with Taryn, who's one of my best friends, and she kept thinking you were referring to my husband, Tony. Oh. She's like, wow, Tony's really into, like, she's, <laughs> she's not talking about Tony. She's talking about Tony Robbins. Where are you That's coming hilarious. from? It was a very funny. Yeah. She's like, yeah, it took her a second to kind of clue it on that. So I want people to know it's Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins who yeah. you've spent a lot of time with and, and, and have traveled with and have yeah, been so in some very intimate settings with. Yeah. The last 18 months, I've sort of been traveling around the world, sort of learning, you know, right at 
at the hands of, of this man. And, you know, he single-handedly changed sort of the trajectory of my life by really just sort of infusing in, um, just why we do what we do, you know, the sort of the human condition. And when you can understand the six human needs and you understand, um, that people will violate their values and their morals to meet a need, you can then understand why people do what they do. People are, Repeat that. I want. I want to hear that again. People will violate their values and their and their morals to meet a need, because their needs are a human condition. Like it's it's like it's a need for, right? So it doesn't make you bad. So somebody's behavior, and this is I think where my a lot of my growth came from, because I could have been a victim and been like, you did X, Y, and Z. But I, when you understand that somebody is not their behavior, then you can have the compassion and the empathy and you can have the, the forgiveness and you can have the gratitude for the lessons or for whatever is triggering in you is where you need to grow. So how significant does, you know, if, if you're in a gang, let's say, okay, and they didn't get the sort of the love and the growth and everything at home, if you're in a, it, I have a gun to your head, how significant do you think I'm going to feel in this moment with a gun to your head? I'm going to be, I'm going to feel pretty significant because you are at my mercy, right? How connected is screwed up as it is. I'm going to feel pretty connected. How certain am I that you're going to do what I want you to do on a one to 10, probably a hundred. So I'm getting all my needs met. So if you can meet three out of the six needs, it becomes an addiction. So they will value you know, they will, Maybe it goes against their values of what they grew up in, but people will violate their values to meet their needs. And so that's why people cheat. It's not that they're bad people. It's just their needs are not getting met. So they, they, they'll, the need for variety, you know, the need for surprise, the need for whatever it is, the need for connection, the need for uh, certainty, the need for when people are getting their needs met at nines and tens, it then becomes an addiction. So when you can understand that some, what is driving somebody, then you know how to meet their needs. Or you are able to forgive a little bit easier. You can forgive, or, but if you can right away, like I have a client that goes in, I can listen to their dialogue right away. I can tell what needs are driving them and I can, I can understand, okay, well, they're going to go this painful route because you can get your needs met in positive ways or negative ways. So you can get your need for variety in positive ways, right? It's like, uh, I'm going to go bungee jumping. That's in my need for variety or surprise, or I'm going to smoke a joint and I'm going to change, you know, my, <laughs> my biochemistry or I'm going to change my thought process. So it's like, you can get it met positive or negative, but it's just that how are people meeting their needs? So when you can understand that, that changes the game, it changes the landscape. And it certainly changes the game when you're operating, you're not operating from a need for, as I was, you know, certainty and significance. So I would say now I'm operating from a place of, you know, growth and contribution that, you know, that is my why that's my desire. I'm addicted to growing and I'm addicted to helping older versions of myself, you know, and then through contribution I find the six human needs really quite fascinating, but I think it, it, it's it's so individualized, right? And then to understand the history as to why you those are the needs that come at the top of your list. Another interesting conversation we had 
um, was why do we do things or we're programmed to do things. And one thing that we, you constantly come back to is the mind of a child and that we really are as adults just functioning at, at whatever growth capacity we had as a younger child or the imprints we had. Well, so there's the subconscious mind. So is the subconscious mind is between zero and seven years old is you're like a sponge and you are just absorbing everything and you take it to be true, right? So it's like if you see the way your parents model love and affection or maybe around money, they're really super stressed around money, you're going to have, you're going to form certain beliefs around money or love. If you grew up in an abusive uh, household, let's say, um, you're going to think that that is normal and it's functional because it's wired in your nervous system, right? So until you kind of get that, we're just children or, you know, adults running around in with a children's brain, you know, it's just children who have aged, but not upgraded their mindset. So we have a fixed mindset. So not only do we adopt, you know, from our parents, our eye color, our height, and all these other DNA, but we also adopt their, their views, their beliefs, their values. Right. And so that runs the programming in, in the back and you never got to choose if that was a belief that you even believed in until you probably go through something like I did, where you have to start questioning all your beliefs and go, is that even true? Wow. Like I've been lying to myself for 25 years. Is it even true that I'm not enough and I'm broken? I'm unworthy. No, but I never, nobody ever asked me that question. So that's something I do with my client right away. Like they'll go into this big story and I'll say, is it even true? Yes, it's true. Okay. Well, let's, can you know without 100% of, you know, shadow of a doubt that your husband never listens to you? And they go, well, it's not, he never, but. So it's like, then there's the doorway, right? So then you can say, okay, well, et cetera, et cetera. But that is something that's passed down. It's passed down. It's passed down. So the story that I shared with you. I love this. I love this story, everyone. Which yeah. is really funny. It's, and this is just like a prime example of us not questioning mm -hmm. thoughts. So it was, you know, Easter and this husband had just brought home this big ham and he spent a couple hundred dollars on it. And his wife cut off both ends of, of the ham. And he like, what, what, what are you doing? I just spent like $200. We've got like 16 people to feed. Why did you just cut off both ends? And she's like, I don't know. My, that's the way my mom taught me to do it. Mom, why did you cut off both ends of the, the ham? I don't know. That's the way grandma. Grandma, why did you cut off both ends of the ham? Oh, I did that because it wouldn't fit in the pan. So it's like, did we ever question why? No, we just did it. So it's like you pass generationally, you're going to pass down what it was always done. Right. But never asking never ask, why. Never ask why. Why do you do it that? It just is. Just because. Because you take it to be mm -hmm. truth. Right. Right. And so that's the power of the subconscious mind is it's just you, you, you do it so often that it then becomes autopilot, becomes habitual. It's like the body now keeps score. So if you're driving, right? How many times have you, you, you get in a car, you don't even think about putting your seatbelt on. You've done it so many times, it's automatic. You just put your seatbelt on. 
right? And then you drive, you drive wherever you're going. Sometimes you get there, you don't even remember how you got there because you're just, it was just, you were in total autopilot. 95% of us operate life from that place, right? And we don't, we don't question our thoughts. We don't question our beliefs. We don't question why we do what we do. And so we're living life by default. Why does it usually take a crisis for us to realize it? I mean, you're likely not going to have a person who's kind of just going, oh, well, life is life, questioning any of this. It usually takes a crisis, um, a heartbreak, death, uh, job loss. It usually takes something for people to at least embrace this conversation or, or ask the why. Yeah, I mean, we will do more to avoid pain than to gain pleasure, which is crazy, right? So we are wired, our brains are wired to keep us safe, not to keep us happy. So people are like, oh my God, how do I get out of the pain that I'm in, right? And it's the wiring of the brain. It's, it's, it's fight or flight. It's, it's like, how do I get out of this? And that's, we have a two million year old brain, right? And, and we're, it's, it's conditioned into us to run from saber-toothed tigers and, you know, but we don't live in that era today. So today it's like we're running from our fears. We're running from our thoughts. We're running from the lies that we tell ourselves. We're running from the conditioning. And so, yeah, it, it, it's either inspiration or desperation that will, will force people to, to really take a good look at themselves. And I think that there's a tipping point right? We all have it at some threshold somewhere. And that was mine where it was like enough, not another day, not another minute, not another hour. Am I going to tolerate this kind of crap for myself? Because we're responsible. It's nobody else. There's only me and me up there. So we are responsible for our own suffering based on what we're making and interpreting a story to mean because an emotion is neutral. A feeling is neutral. Okay. So I want people to sit, let's go, we'll marinate with that. What, what do you mean that an emotion is neutral? Well, it, it's neutral. So is an emotion true? No, it's only going to be true based on the filter of which you apply and you see it from. So you could give it a, a positive emotion or you can give it a negative. So you could charge it either way you want to charge it. Right. But the, the, the emotion itself is neutral. Take like a beautiful Saturday and it hasn't rained in three months and the farmer is losing all his crops. That Saturday comes, it's a wedding day. It's raining. It's the same event. The farmer is celebrating because there's rain. The bride is crying because it's raining. It's the same, it's the same emotion. It's the same thing. It's the same event, but it's what she's having it mean. And it's what he's having it mean. So the emotion itself is neutral, but we are so wired. Our brain is wired to look for danger. Is it safe? What is this going to mean? You know, our ego, it's like, okay. How much does ego play into a lot of the decisions or how we see ourselves or how we think other people see us. Oh, huge, huge. Because are we really our true authentic selves? Because if you are, it really doesn't matter what other people say or think about. Oh my God. 
I would say like 99% of people still are walking around going, what do they think? What's their perception? But that's gonna, what are others going to think? But look at their human needs. So their need, their top need there is for significant. They want to be accepted. They want to feel significant. So they're going to care more about what others think than what they feel about themselves. Because if you truly know who you are, it doesn't matter what other people think. And I've arrived at this place where I share really unapologetically. People could unfollow me. People could think, oh, well, why do you share like that? Am I triggering something in them? Probably that they feel that they feel so insecure that they can't, you know, share or, and that's all it is, right? It's a trigger. So if you care more about what other people think, whose life are you living for? Are you living for other people or are you living for yourself? When you have clients coming to you now, Mm -hmm. because I know that that's a massive part of what you're doing. Is it relationship-based? Is it family-oriented? Is it personal development? Are they looking to feel better, look better, lose weight, improve their relationships? Are you starting to see now a connection between all of the different people? Or really, the needs are very different for so many people? I think the root of, of everything that everybody comes to me, because we only have two primary fears in life. It goes along with the six human needs. And our two fears, it doesn't matter who you are, is if I'm not enough, I won't be loved. And love is the oxygen of the soul. So when I start working with people, it's all the same fears. So the the fear of starting a business, the fear of failing, the fear of not being accepted in a relationship, the fear that, that, that they can't lose weight, the fear that they can't put themselves out there, whatever it is, it's always the same two fears. And at the root of it is unworthiness. Both of us are wearing this wand. I'm wearing because I was really, I love the fact that I was yeah. one of the first people to get okay, one of these. Uh, let's talk about these worthy wands um, because I thought at first, and I'll be pre- really honest with you, like they're really cute. Uh, they have a really fun message, just like so many other, you know, yeah. little posters people have on their walls, you know, the <laughs> believe or, you know, yeah. y- there is a mission with these and they seem to be making their way around the world right now, which I think is really cool. They are because I think it hits our primary, you know, fears, which is if I'm not enough, I won't be loved. And everybody has that because we have a billion dollar industry, a billion dollar a day industry telling us how we're not smart enough, skinny enough, beautiful enough, thin enough, smart, whatever, successful enough. That is, you know, mainstream media is coming at us telling us how we're not enough of something. And so for me, that was my biggest struggle. It was that I stayed in relationships that had far past their expiration date because it was like, oh my God, my fear is, "Hmm." well, it's easier to stay than it is to go because maybe I won't find somebody better or maybe I won't, you know, and that's, that's like not even true, but that's what you buy into. And so I think at the root of everything that's sort of dysfunctional wrong with the world is unworthiness and then the flip side is not feeling not enough so I created an anchor because my name Amanda means worthy of love and it took me 45 years to fully own that and just be like I am not worthy because of what I do I'm worthy because of who I am and that is freedom that's ultimate freedom I no longer have to hustle for my worth And how many women and men, I I got sort of 
challenged by men, so I've created a men's worthy lawn line that's just dropped too, but that is, it's everybody's basic human need. That's why we compare ourselves against other people. That's why we, you know, don't have our voice. That's why we're addicted to the do because we're too afraid to just be because we don't know who we are in our own story. And I think a lot of the emphasis in some of the writing is the human being mm-hmm. is the emphasis on the being. Yeah, absolutely. Because we are, we're not human doings. We're human beings. So even with my clients, like I teach them to, to, to be lists. Like who do you want to be in your story as opposed to, you know, to do's. So that's sort of how these wands were created. And yeah, you're right. Like I kind of put them out thinking like, oh, whatever. Yeah, they've, you know, making their way around the world. They've saved two lives that I know of to date of women that, you know, almost took their lives and their wand sort of flashed in front of them. And they were like, no, I'm enough. Like I am not my thoughts. I am not what I'm believing. I'm not the story that I'm believing. And I think that that's what's so powerful is that we actually are not, like it's not even true. 95% 95% of your thoughts, 98% of your thoughts are not original, they're not your own, and they're not even true. And that goes back to the subconscious programming. So this is sort of like an anchor to anchor people back to their truth. You've had to do a lot of research. I mean, and and there's a science behind this. Like when you're able to give us stats and talk about the subconscious, there's a scientific aspect of, of what's happening in our mind. This NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, what yeah. exactly is that? Because I know it's, it's, it's work that you're doing and, and are evolving with. Yeah, and so I'm going to get my master's in, uh, in July. So it's really everything that controls, it's, it's our mind. It's, it's, the, it's our beliefs. It's what you are allowing yourself to believe. And it is everything. It's everything. It's, a fil- it's the filter. It's the mental Rolodex that you have in your head. So let's liken you uh, to a computer. Okay? Your body is the hardware and your mind is the software. How often do you upgrade that software? How often do you do a malware? How often do you clear the cache? How often do you like delete old mental files that are not serving you? We don't, right? So there's not the space to then bring in new thoughts, energy. So we are consuming energy and where attention goes, energy flows. So we have so much energy going to limiting thoughts and beliefs, the past, A lot of people live in the past or they live in the future. And you want to like the quickest way to be anxious is get a future because it hasn't arrived yet. And what you're doing is you're putting a filter of the past on the future. Is it true? No. So where, so a, how often do we need to be upgrading the software? (laughs) Well, like, I mean, is it crazy that Apple, uh, we uh, have like iOS updates every three weeks, but yet we're not updating our own software, right? So I think it's, we should be upgrading that often. So it's like, if there's thoughts that are not serving you, and if you're in pain, you're responsible for that pain because it's the meaning that you're assigning the emotion. Because the emotion, as I said, is neutral. So are you assigning it, you know, A negative charge or a positive charge. So again, it goes back to what meaning are you giving it? And that is all through like NLP. It's through the filters. It's through the the beliefs, the patterns, the... 
the blueprint that was basically you were kind of given a blueprint of how you are. And then you've never upgraded that blueprint. You've never looked at it and said, oh, that doesn't really work for me until you go through massive pain. Like I did a massive transformation. I was like, whoa, that is so not even something that I believe in. But I just did it for so long that it became conditioned into me. Okay. So right now we may have triggered the interest of a couple people going, okay, I want to upgrade my software. Right. What questions do they need to be asking themselves? What were the questions that you started with? What were the books that you read? Like, how can someone start at least considering upgrading their software without them hitting the panic button too soon to be able to start or to say, I want to be able to change some of the way I'm thinking or being? Okay, well, so I think the number one question to ask is, who do you want to be in your story? Because that was the game changer for me. Did I want to be a victim? Did I want to be, you know, this person that I had created that while she was successful on the outside was miserable on the inside? So who do you want to be in your story is probably the number one question. And number two is, which it goes hand in hand is what's the ultimate outcome? Okay, but you have people coming to you because, and you, you've said, like, be better, work harder, love more, you know, be more successful. Like, but what does that mean to you? Because I have people that come to me and they're like, I want to make a million dollars. And I'll say, okay, so you want a million pieces of paper? No, I want to make a million dollars. I'm like, but that's a million pieces of paper. So I said, what you want is the feeling of being a millionaire. Is that fair to say? And then they're like, yeah. So it's the feeling that we're chasing. So it's what feeling are you chasing? Who do you want to be in your story? And then it's just sort of, you, you, you had your podcast last week with epigenetics. It's, it's then about moving the energy around. And then it's about deleting the old files. Because what happens is when you've done something for so long, you've created a neural pathway in the brain. But to change that neural pathway... And to, to, cause you can, so the brain is not set. We were taught it's, you know, it's mindset. It's not, it's plastic. So neuroplasticity, we can absolutely forge a new neural pathway and we can absolutely change our DNA, our coding. We can absolutely through epigenetics, like, yeah, I found that I found the topic with that Joanna Lynn fascinating. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It's changed the whole trajectory of my life. I don't drink anymore because I'm just like, what do I want to create and where do I want to, where do I want to be? And who do I want to be and how do I want to, it to affect my energy levels and, and all that sort of other stuff. And I've gone extreme down the rabbit hole for the time being um, because it's just where I'm at right now. So I'm really fascinated by it. Um, so who do you want to be in your story? And it's like a GPS in the car. You need a starting point. So people are always focused on the outcome, but you need a starting point. Just like you get when you're in GPS, you're going to put a home and you're going to put your endpoint. So where are you now? So you always have to know where you are because progress equals happiness. It's not perfection because perfection doesn't exist. It's progress. So if you start, you know, making a little bit of money in your business, you're going to feel really fired up. You're going to feel excited. You can feel motivated. So maybe not where the ultimate outcome but you're going to see the progress and that's where people get tripped up and they start comparing and then they start, you know, going, Oh, well, and they lose motivation. So progress equals happiness. So where are you and where do you want to end up? What's your ultimate outcome? 
So from a client standpoint, I want to be a millionaire. Okay. You don't really want to be a millionaire. You want the feeling. So why do you want that? And then when you start digging into it, it's like, well, I want time freedom. I want financial freedom. I want to travel more. I want this. I want that. I want security because then you get into the stories of the subconscious and the, you know, the, the limiting beliefs. Well, my dad lost his you know money and, and that meant hardship and that meant stress and that ended up in divorce. And I don't want that for my family. And so then you start going into the layers of why people do the things that they do. Right. And it's all stored in our mental files. And that's where subconscious, the subconscious work in NLP and sort of hypnosis becomes such a powerful tool because people can't get beyond what they know. And when you've done it for so long, you don't have, you have a fixed mindset. You don't have sort of the, the bandwidth to be open to, okay, maybe there's another way until you can start showing them evidence. Right. And I think the thing, the important thing to realize is, is that it's not overnight. Like change is something that happens gradually and you have to have that sort of patience with yourself because your mind will freak out. And the, you know, the, the amygdala, the reptilian part of the brain will get activated and it's like, Oh my God, fight, flight, freeze, fall. Right. And when you're in that fight mode, flight mode, how much energy do you have to be creative? How much energy do you have to be loving? Not a lot, right? You're like, I'm running from saber-toothed tigers. I don't have time to sit down and be loving and be the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. When you talk about the creative for people mm. and not, you know, like, let's talk like a writer's block or something, right? If you're in a constant, there's no space. There's no space and there's no energy. I mean, we're all energy, Right. That was a big changer. That was a big game changer for me too. We are amazing creators, but are we are equally as powerful destroyers. So again, it's what you have something mean. And you could go and, you know, burn your life down because of the meaning that you're giving something. Because most of us are unconscious with our thoughts. We're not conscious. We're not present. Because here's the truth. There's actually no suffering in the present moment. Suffering is either an event that's taken place in the past that you have ample evidence in your mental files, or it's your anxiety of what you think you're going to repeat and recreate in the future. So you have to get a more empowering meaning. So for me, now I will always ask, what is the good in this? You know, I'm going through, you know, with balance and style, there's a, there's a, a fraud case of somebody $450,000 worth of fraud against my company that these people have taken my company and they're impersonating themselves as me and causing major havoc in people's lives. I could be stressed as all get out. And I'm like, what is the good in this? Seek and you shall find. So I, I just got the, uh, the, the, the uh, look at the time and, and kind of where we're at. I want to just quickly hit on um, what you you have your event shine yes. coming up. So I, I kind of want to hit on what the plans are now in terms of sharing this message and and getting this out because 
I do think there's an interest. I think more and more people are opening themselves up. There are more people meditate. Like there are more people that are seeking some of these answers and that I have you on my awaken a better you wellness cruise. Like I'm, I'm looking at kind of some of the seminars and the workshops that we're booking in and like, okay, we're going to be sailing from here to here. And while we're doing that, you know, you're talking. So what are you doing because you've started to do more speaking because you're starting to do this? Like, where do you see this leading you and what are you going to be offering people on a larger scale? I really, I want to give people the gift of unbecoming. And what does that mean? So for me, it's like I thought, and I think a lot of women fall into this category, is that we need to become, you know, we need to become all these things to be successful, you know, to be an adult, to be da-da-da-da-da. And again, it's all these things subconsciously that we've taken on. And I want to give people permission to unbecome all the stuff that is not serving at the highest level, to question it. And to be able to own unapologetically who they are and who they want to be in their story. And to hold space for them with other like-minded women. Because at the end of the day, we're more alike than we are different. Right? And I'm really now kind of community over competition. And I think that, you know, the event was the next level for me. To put myself in a room and invite, you know, 500 women. So the women to your right and to your left, they have the same fears. They have the same you know, uh, anxieties, but they also have the same dreams as you. And so if you could, you know, have a community of women that are, are really champion cheerleaders and are going to help you fix your crown, um, you know, and not, and be the mean girl, if you will, um, how much better and how much brighter can we shine together versus, you know, apart. And so I think that's really, um, what the event is about. It's about busting the limiting beliefs. It's really about soul upgrades. It's about understanding that you are who you've been conditioned to be. Right. And giving people permission to actually own who they were created to be. That shine is happening in September, September 27th. Okay. Yeah. So just pre-cruise. Yes. Oh yeah, it'll be right before the right cruise. Before I know I was cruise. thinking that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited about that because I'm it's a little bit of a trial at, you know, the workbooks. I'm 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 going all out. I mean, it was really like putting myself out there, huge money to put on an event. Um, I'm doing workbooks and exercises. And then I'm going to take, you know, a lot of those things that really resonated with people. Um, onto the cruise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and by then I'll have my master's, uh, you know, master's certification in NLP, um, hypno, hypnotherapy, um, you know, my master's in uh, coaching. So yeah, I'm really excited because I think it's the basis. Um, it, it's the basis for everything because if you could teach somebody, um, how to interpret what is happening to them and how to build their own success, based off their own thought, it does not exist in the mind. So it takes a snapshot. All your memories is a snapshot. It's a picture. So when you think of a painful memory, you can pull up a picture for it. Like you can remember it like it was yesterday. So I have techniques where we can shrink that picture. You know, we can even delete it. We can replace it. We can upgrade it. We're not taught this stuff. Gosh, now, right. It is such a fascinating conversation, but we, we weren't taught it. It's not in our school system. It's not in our discussions around the dinner table, but it's going to be, Yeah, it's yeah. going to be one day, you know, just like meditation is starting to make its way into the classroom for kids. I think that there is a, I mean, we're, we're slow. <laughs> it takes a long time. It's a slow process, but I think it, I think it will happen. There is definitely like a shift in consciousness that's happening. Yeah. And, you know, meditation allows you to come back to center where your no body 
nobody, no mind, no nothing. And that's actually, you know, where you can kind of rewire the sort of the epigenetics and you can change the, you know, your energy and you can light up different, you know, um, aspects of, of the brain and, and really forge strong GER connections. I think this topic is fascinating. I think I could go on and and I'm incredibly grateful. And as I mentioned right off the top, when I was taking this massive leap of faith and I hadn't quite spoken it publicly and hadn't really had the discussion with a lot of people, I knew that you would ask me Mm -hmm. the right questions to kind of figure out the, what were my six, you know, almost asking myself that, which I didn't know you were asking me back at that time, you know, what was I seeking? What am I trying to figure out? Yeah. And who do I want to be? Yeah. It's, it's, it, and it's a work in progress, right? I think that it doesn't happen overnight. And that, that's for sure. Right. It's not going to happen. And that's the thing. Like it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's where people need to sort of sink into that and accept that and just be like, you're going to marinate for a while. There is no perfection because as you evolve, so does the model that you're working with, right? So fascinating. Amanda, thank you so oh, much. You All so right. Much I want people, especially for if you want to be inspired, I really want you to check out your Instagram account thank just you. because there's daily. <laughs> it's like my a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> You're good enough. You're, well, you, you know, I, I, I constantly do that. But it's a great thing to check out. AmandaRiley.ca yeah. uh, is the best for your website. All of it will be in, in, in the notes, and uh, I'll have it posted as well. But I really appreciate no, it. I and appreciate I'm so grateful so um, that you've chosen to, um, to contribute, that that has become one of your top needs so that you can share this message with so many others who are likely suffering the way you were just you had it I didn't really have well a permission slip and I want to be that permission slip to to the other women uh, and men that are out there you know I go first well hopefully they took the permission slip today from the <laughs> podcast I appreciate that thank you so much uh, for listening to living your life with Leanne Lang please if you can like share subscribe comment let us know your thoughts on the podcast and the content but it's really interesting to be able to see uh, the types of content and what people are listening to and where we're really at in our lives as to what uh, we're looking for in terms of bettering how we feel and, uh, and the life that we want to live. That's a wrap on this podcast. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.